Welcome back, Dragons, to episode 80 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. I am your host, Kenny Rotter, and today I am joined by a very dear friend of mine who I've known for, oh goodness, about 10 years, which blows my mind, Kim Clark, and I brought her on because she is an amazing distance runner, and uh, as we're going to get into on the podcast, I have just started doing some serious getting serious about my distance running, so I'm very excited to talk to her, and she's going to give me and you all some training tips. Kim, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for letting me come on to your podcast. Thanks for coming on. You and I have been trying to schedule this for a while, and I'm super yeah, glad no. that we finally got to connect. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> so just to start off, we are recording this on Halloween what is your favorite scary movie? Um, favorite scary movie. I would have to say, um, let's see. Oh, Sixth Sense. Ooh, good one. Yeah, had to throw it back. I like it. Now, now, have you seen Nightmare Before Christmas? I believe I have, but I honestly don't even remember it at this point. Okay. It's been a while. That's okay. I was going to, I was having a conversation with someone today on whether it was a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie, but we'll just leave that up for the listeners and they can get back to me on that on social media. Yes. Now, do you have a favorite candy? Well, I just had two Reese's right now, which is like 100% not part of the, you know, anti-inflammation marathon <laughs> diet I'm supposed to be uh, doing right now. But um, I I love all chocolate, but I do love Reese's. Um, yeah, they're great. I just discovered by a fortunate accident, I went out to get some Halloween candy for trick-or-treaters. Uh-huh. And I grabbed a bag of Reese's because I'm like, oh, if I don't have trick-or-treaters, I'll eat these. Yeah, absolutely. And they are Reese's peanut butter cups, but in the peanut butter are Reese's pieces. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> I was like, this is like a candy within a candy. Yeah. Mind blown. <laughs> so you are currently preparing for a, another marathon. You're about, what, five weeks out, you said? Yes, I'm five weeks out right now from the California International Marathon. Okay, where's that in California? It's in Sacramento. Um, and so it's Northern California. It should be good weather. It's usually um, it's usually pretty good weather this time of year. Okay. So, okay. And what number marathon is this for you? For you? That'll be 11, which is crazy. Wow. You are solidly into the double digits now. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, it'll be 11. What I tell people is that there is worse things to be addicted to. Exactly. I mean, I feel like as, you know, a attorneys, we kind of have really intense personalities that can kind of be obsessed with whatever we kind of latch on to. 
But I think that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this is it's a pretty good obsession to like care about your health, you know? Absolutely. And it running and just doing marathons, half marathons, everyone out there knows that I'm a tough mutter freak. Yes. It keeps, it gives you a reason to stay committed to the lifestyle. Totally. Now, how many halves have you done? Honestly, I have no idea. I've done, I, cause especially my first year of running, I just got so into it that, you know, I was having race FOMO. So I did like all of the races. If somebody was doing a race, I did it. Um, and so I over raced my first, you know, maybe couple years of running. And now, um, you know, I, I don't do that at all. Um, I, I just have goal races and that's what I do. Okay. Excellent. And when you say goal races, what does that mean? Um, it means, um, I just have, you know, like one, one race a season essentially that I lead up to versus having a bunch of races that, you know, I'm doing, um, that can kind of like distract you from an ultimate goal. So I try to keep it really, um, like focused on the one, the one race that actually matters. Okay. I think I might actually have to take that approach to some of the stuff that I want to do next year. Totally. Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. I was just going to say if, if you're performance motivated, then you have to focus on like, you know, the, the quality over the quantity. And that's, it's, it's like, you have to decide what your motivation is in doing it. If you want to, you know, do a lot of something or to do something really well. So that's a great distinction. And I love that you brought that up because, you know, I actually think next year I have a couple of big races, but I'm not necessarily training to do them well or competitively. I'm training to do them to my own standard of quote unquote, well, okay. What's well for me is not going to be well for, you know, the the guy who finishes first. Sure. Um, I mean, it's just your own, like what, what you measure it by. Yeah. So how did you get into running? Um, so Basically, I ran one year in high school. I ran, um, you know, cross country and track. I was injured the whole time. I was not good. But at the end of that year, I decided to try to run um, a a marathon. So I decided to do it the day before the marathon, um, completely untrained. It did not go well, obviously. That's not advised (laughs) by any means. It's the most painful thing you could ever do. Um, so I did a marathon in six hours and eight minutes, which is, you know, not terribly quick. Um, but I finished it, which was amazing. And I basically that I retired after that. And I, you know, I didn't work out at all, essentially, until I moved back to California after law school. So even in law school, you know, living in beautiful DC, I didn't run or do anything active. And, you know, it's kind of sad that I didn't get that opportunity to really take advantage of, you know, what a great location we were living in for that. But, um, I, I moved back to California. I wanted to get in shape and it was also going to be the 10 year anniversary of that, um, marathon that I did. So I said, you know, I want to try to see if I can beat that time that I did when I was, you know, 17 and, and get a do over. And so I did sign up for the same race and got to, uh, 
run that race. I think I ran it um, a little more than two hours faster than I did, um, you know, 10 years before. So I just thought it was going to be a one and done and I'm still doing it. That is absolutely incredible. And that's very much how, that's how I got into, I don't want to say running cause I still don't like running, but that's how I got into Tough Mudders. Oh, awesome. Is I did one and then I did another one trying to beat my progress I did for the first one. Okay. And then I just, it, at some point it stopped being about my time and started being around the social aspect because what I found is running, um, especially like during a race is incredibly, it's, it's very solo Totally. And Tough Mudders are more about who you're running with, camaraderie, and and helping your fellow mudders. And so that just kind of drove me to keep doing it and continuing to just sign up for more and more and more. Yeah. But the original impetus was I want to do better than I had done the previous one. Absolutely. Um, and I kind of hinted at this before we started, but I wanted to tell you a story that I think you'd appreciate. And I think everyone out, uh, out there in the world listening to this would appreciate. I, I just did on Saturday. So about four or five days ago, uh-huh. my 26th Tough Mudder. That's insane. <laughs> no, it, it is. It is. That's it's, insane. It's an addiction. I'm absolutely crazy. And so is everyone else I run with. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but I had to, I was running it solo. I was running it alone. Uh-huh. Well, I was running it with hundreds of my friends I just hadn't met yet. Of course. But I posted my best time since my very first Tough mutter, And it was the first time I had done a Tough mutter in under three hours. Whoa. Um, Since my first one. My first one, I think we did in like two hours, 58 minutes. This one I ended up doing in two hours, 56. Wow. So it was a personal best. It was a personal best. I was super excited. Yeah. But everyone was asking me, well, how did you do that? You know, how did you, cause I didn't go into this race training for that to, yeah, to break a personal, a PR. I, it was in Las Vegas. I drove out to Las Vegas uh, I check into my hotel. Okay. And I was, and they were like, "Oh, by the way, we've canceled your late checkout." Oh, great. And I was like, "What do you mean? I was supposed to have a checkout at two p.m. Uh huh. What time do I have to be checked out?" And they were like, "You have to be out by noon." That's crazy. And I was like, "My heat time starts at eight. There's no way I'm going to be able to do an do the entire tough mutter." get back to the hotel, pack up my stuff, get out, you know, by noon. And and they were like, we don't care if you're not here. We're just going to take all your stuff and we'll leave it at the concierge. And I'm like, my dog is in the room. I brought my dog. Yeah. And so I was like, are you guys just going to like take her to the pound? Like, like, are you going to call somebody? Like, no. Like I had a late checkout because – She's my dog and she's going to be in the room until two. 
So yeah. they were like, okay, we can let you check out at 1230. Oh my goodness. So generous. Yeah. So I'm freaking out. Normally a Tough Mudder will take me and the people I run with between four and five hours because we're usually helping people. We're supporting one another. Yeah. It, it's, it's about the social aspect, not about the speed. But of so course. I like, I find this all out the night before. So I don't get any sleep because I'm freaking oh, out. No. I'm freaking <laughs> out about what I'm going to do about my dog. So by the time my heat starts, they started us late. Oh no. So they started us at eight, between 8.15 and 8.30 when we were supposed to start at 8. So I just, so that was the inspiration for me to post a personal best is wow. I needed to get back to my dog. Yes. Something <laughs> lit a fire under you that time. Yeah. And what's, what's really great is now that I've kind of learned what I can do if I really decide to push myself. Absolutely. And you know, you've, I mean, you've been doing so many of these races, you said like 28, 26, um, 26. Um, well, so to, to be fair, uh, 27 and 28 are this weekend. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> so I was like psychic about it, you know? Um, but you've done so many that you have such a good base so that if you did decide to be, more performance oriented as far as, you know, wanting to do a different time, you, you have like a lot more to work with cause you're a lot stronger because of all of the ones that you've done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think I still don't understand what runners mean when they say they get a runner's high or they break through the wall because <laughs> even though I was, I was running and hitting a personal best. And there were so many times where I just wanted to give up. I never had that euphoric feeling that people tell me they get. It can be hard to feel during a race when you're hurting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely, I feel, I feel like I feel the euphoric runners high after a great workout that I completed. So like afterwards, but during any time that I'm really pushing it, I pretty much I'm like trying to convince myself the whole time not to stop and start walking. Like that's, it's always just a tug of war in my head because when you're really pushing your body, it doesn't feel good. No, you're absolutely right. And that is something that I was dealing with. Like there were times where I just wanted to stop and walk. And I kept telling myself, no, Yeah. there's a puppy back in your hotel room that you need to get back to. Absolutely. And so you're telling me that that the, that that battle with your brain between your brain never and stops. your feet never stops. Great. Absolutely not. It never stops. But you get better at like at at combating it. You get better at realizing that what you're feeling isn't comfortable, but that you can handle it. You know, and that's what I tell myself. Like I'll have an eight mile tempo where I'm supposed to be running eight miles, basically as hard as I can at threshold. And at mile two, I'll be like. I'm pretty much ready to be done, but I have to remind myself that, you know, it's not going to get any worse really than it feels right now. So just settle into how uncomfortable it feels and allow it to just allow yourself to relax into how uncomfortable it is and just hang on, you know? Yeah. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. It's, it never, it doesn't matter what level you're at. It, it's not like the best runners just have it easy and they're out there flying. They're, they're doing the exact same thing. 
that, you know, us slower runners are doing out there, but just at a higher level, they're, they're just even more of a master of their mind, you know? Yeah, that's, it's definitely the times where I have felt the best is when I just get my brain to either just shut up and, mm-hmm. and keep and keep moving because I know my body can handle it. Yeah. Um, or that or that time where just like my brain is entirely focused on whatever muscle I'm currently working out. And I'm using this in terms of weight training because I have a lot more experience weight training than I do distance running. Absolutely. So, um, oh, go ahead. And I, I think it might be a little bit different for for you guys with your tough mutters just because maybe there's a distraction element that comes with having, you know, as a runner, I'm just on a course and I don't do anything different except for run, you know, and that's for like 13 miles. You guys have different elements that you guys, you know, have to have to do, you know, or um, obstacles to go over. And so I feel like that probably even helps just to keep you more engaged and more focused, you know? Yes. And it, it gives me one of those things where it's like a fixed point where I will just tell myself at some point, okay, run to the next obstacle. When you get to the next obstacle, that's going to give you whatever little break you need. Absolutely. And then you're working a different muscle. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes you're like climbing over things and you need to use your feet and then you're just like, oh, this is miserable. Yeah, I'm sure. I I don't know how you guys do it with also doing the obstacles. It's enough for me to just be running in a straight line. Maybe one day I will convince you to do a tough mutter with me. That oh my goodness, that would that would be interesting. <laughs> Although I I feel like I would have to train just to keep up with you. No way. <laughs> or you would just be like waiting for me at the obstacles, getting really annoyed with me. No, no, not at all. I, I would have to get stronger because I don't, I, you know, I don't really lift or anything like that. So I'd probably have to get a lot stronger to be able to do that. I have the aerobic capacity to handle the race, but I don't know if I have the strength to, to handle the obstacles. And that's what your friends are for. We're here to lift you over walls and uh, yes. yeah, up ladders and craziness. It sounds like a lot of fun though. Uh, they, they're, they're a blast. I've actually... I, I have seen how they change people's lives. I'm sure. Um, and it's just, it's a marvelous feeling when you get a text a couple days after Tough Mudder, when you've run with a newbie and they'll text you and they'll be like, this has completely changed my life. Um, <laughs> and I've gotten that text from more than one person. And it's why I just want everyone in my life to, at some point, run a Tough Mudder. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, I just think that finding any type of niche in the fitness world and just getting really into it is only good for you, you know, mentally and physically. Oh, absolutely. And emotionally. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say since, um, I got some rough news earlier this year and, mm-hmm. um, I unfortunately wasn't able to start doing tough mutters again until September, but oh, wow. Since late September, I've already done between late September and now I've done five and then I've got two more this weekend and it's just a great way to process. Totally. It's the best way. (laughs) Yes. And it's, it's like, there are times where it's like 
my body or my brain is so focused on what my body is doing that the back parts of my brain work through whatever it is I'm trying to process. Absolutely. It's really therapeutic, I think. Oh, yes, absolutely. You were 100% correct on that one. Now, you've got this marathon in five weeks. Yes. What is the goal for that marathon? Is it just to complete it? Because I I know you can finish it, (laughs) and I think you know you can finish it. Yeah. No, definitely not to just complete it. Um, I've done, I've completed 10. So I've, I've checked that box off, which is, uh, you know, great. But, um, basically I, my ultimate goal for marathon is to run under three hours and I am doing everything I can right now to just see if I can make that a reality in December. If not, I'm going to be running a really big PR but um, my my husband Tyler says not to rule out running a sub three hour marathon in December. So you know, for now today, I'm just focused on trying to make that a reality. And you know, a week or two out, I'll assess exactly where I am, and then you know, decide it on a pace then. But um, I'm I'm just doing everything I can to make a 6:52 pace feel feel like I'm jogging. Oh goodness. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I was <laughs> when when you say six fifty two pace, just for people who aren't runners, that's a six a six minute fifty two second mile. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> what what was the reason I'm laughing at that is because <laughs> this tough mutter. When I was thinking about getting back to my hotel and rescuing my dog. Yes. <laughs> Um, or at least making sure she was still in the room, I kept telling myself, okay, it's a 15-minute mile. You can do a 15-minute <laughs> mile. And then I'm on this with you, and you're like 6.52, and I'm just like, oh, God, 6.52. Yeah, but you have obstacles in your in your miles. I have nothing. It's just flat. <laughs> but um... and I, I think it's a good example of – different people are at different places and no two people can have the exact same goal. Oh, absolutely not. And it's not fair to ever compare yourself to somebody. It's just, just such different journeys. But I mean, my first year of running, I was on the track and I saw like, and for like a couple seconds, I saw that my watch went down to seven thirty, seven minute and 30 second pace. So not even like a full mile ran at that, just like probably 10 seconds of running at that pace. And I told everybody I knew, like my watch literally said for a couple seconds, I was at 7.30 pace. And so it's just crazy, you know, now that I'm hoping to run a marathon at, at well under a pace I could hold for seconds before, you know? Yeah. yeah. And can I ask what your current PR is at marathons? Of course, it's 3.28 from 2014. And then I qualified for Boston at that race. And, um, I overtrained for Boston, the Boston marathon in 2015 and have been, had, was struggling with fatigue for basically a year or so. And my marathons after my personal best were all regressions, which was really, really tough to handle just, um, mentally, let alone physically. And so, um, I took a break from the marathon for about, it'll be about 20, 22 months of a break. And so I'm basically 
trying to come back into a marathon, a different runner. Yeah. Yeah. Is this is your first marathon in 22 months? Yes. That's after, awesome. After having done six marathons in 23 months, like the 23 months preceding. So I, I over marathoned and now I took a long break and just trying to rebuild the machine. That's a good way to put that. Um, do you ever remember I introduced you or have you heard of Julie Weiss? Of course. Yes, definitely. Like when she ran a hundred marathons in a hundred weeks. Insane. I was like, ah, maybe it was 50 marathons in 50 weeks. I can't remember. Either way, still insane. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and I mean, the thing is that she, I mean, she'll say it now that um, it took it took a toll on her, on her, on her speed. You can't do like a high quantity, you know, high volume of races and expect to be as quick as you once were. And so essentially I did the same thing on a much smaller scale than she did. You know, I didn't do half as many, you know, not even half, but I did a fraction um, of the marathons that she did. And it really just tired my body out, you know? So you, it's, it's kind of like you have to come to a point where you have to decide, what it is that you want. If you want to have the experience of doing the races, or if you want to focus on performance and then you might have to taper down the amount of races you get to do. Okay. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So it's, oh, go ahead. it's oh, fun go ahead. no matter what you do, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the reason I wanted to talk to you and actually find out how to train for more of a distance marathon type race is because I have stupidly signed up for <laughs> what is called the toughest mutter. And I explained what that was to you, but for everyone else out there listening, it is a tough mutter, but it is only a five mile course, but you run the course for eight hours. And it's it, insane. It, yeah, it's eight hours from, I believe, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. What? It's in the middle of the night? Yeah. Why? That is crazy. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> that is crazy. That sounds so grueling. <gasps> it's because Saturday morning they have the Tough Mudders on that day, and then the Sunday morning they have the Tough Mudders on that day. So the, wow. only, the only time they can do it is in the middle of the night. Um, and I guess that's why they call it toughest. I don't know. So oh my, <laughs> my, my goal is to put in between 30 and 40 miles. Okay, great. Which. It's a lot. Yeah, it's. Is it a lot? It's, um, it's an ultra marathon. I mean, you're doing an ultra marathon with obstacles. Yes. So my question to you is where should I start my distance training if I want to ultimately be able to hit 30 to 40 miles over eight hours? I know you kind of focus more on doing speed and distance, whereas this is more so just distance distance totally what what is your current um run training like what what do you normally do 
<laughs> um, Do I want to know? <laughs> you you don't because it's it's actually pretty incredible because I was telling you about this PR at the yes. Mutter. I actually hadn't been to the gym in like two weeks. Oh no! I hadn't I hadn't run. I hadn't lifted. I hadn't done anything, and I just went like. I think I went the day before the Tough Mudder and did like a half hour on the a stationary bike. Oh my goodness. At that point, you just need to rest so that your legs are fresher. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. That's pretty incredible. You did a PR on that though. I know. it's And it, it pretty much is what solidifies with me that m- most, if not all of fitness is 90% mental. Yeah. No, so... Um, I, I had a friend, she gave me her marathon training and it's like, you, you spend, uh, five days a week, maybe three or four of that is putting in between four and seven or eight miles. Then Saturday is like 12 to 13 miles. And all of that gradually increases until, the like week prior to the race and then it decreases and then there's deload weeks in there as well. Sure. And that sounds pretty good. I think if I were, if how, how long do you have till the race? It is the first week of March. So I have four months, four months. Wow. Time goes by fast. Um, I would say that, what she's told you is is pretty on with what you should be doing. If it were me, I'd probably do be increasing your daily runs as well. So, um, you know, start, you know, for the first month doing your, you know, a couple regular runs in the week, about five to six miles, starting to get a long run in over the weekend. You don't need to focus on speed right now because, you know, you're just trying to get the time on your legs. And then, um, as you're getting closer, you know, the next month I would be upping your, um, your easy runs during the week to, you know, eight miles, just because you want to feel really casual and comfortable. And, um, I'm sure that eight miles today doesn't feel easy to you, but, (laughs) but you want to, you want to make it so that it feels more comfortable and natural because you're going to be doing so many miles and you want to feel really like aerobically conditioned to be able to handle it. Yes. And it gets, and it gets easier as you do it more, you know, right now, you know, maybe eight or 13 sounds like a lot of miles, but, um, once you get, give yourself a good base and go from there, it all becomes so much easier and it doesn't feel like a lot. Like my, um, my easy runs right now are at nine miles and, um, that's just so that I can, go into the marathon thinking, you know, 26 miles, that's, you know, my easy runs are nine miles, you know, and, and it doesn't feel like that big of a, a gap in between it. Okay. That makes sense. And to be perfectly honest, like right now running a 5k sounds intense. traumatic. Yeah. Sounds traumatic to me. <laughs> um, totally. Well, that's because you just need to get in the fitness for it. Um, when I had taken a long break from running in 2013. Um, I had been dealing with some health issues, so I didn't run for a while and I just didn't even know how to start back up again because I had been so into running before. And then now 
I had taken such a long break and also just wasn't in the habit of it. So I just decided to do, um, a two miles every day, December. And so I just committed every day, no matter, you know, no matter what was going on that I had 20 minutes to dedicate to running and it didn't matter what pace it was, but I was just going to commit to doing those two miles every day. And so I did that for, for all of December, just ran two miles every day. And then I got into a more regular schedule in January and started adding more miles in February. And by, um, May I qualified for Boston, you know, so I went from running 11 minute miles, two miles every day in December to running a Boston marathon qualifying time. So it's just, it's just getting the right base in there and figuring out how to, how to get from where you are now to where you need to be, you know, and not overwhelming yourself with 20 mile runs today because a 5k sounds like a lot. So maybe you need to start with just, um, a month of just getting a base in at what sounds really feasible. Yeah. And, and I actually just looked it up. I think I should focus right now on just running to the gym. My gym is a mile away. Okay. And I think one mile there, one mile back, at least totally. for like Monday or Tuesday, you know, my first run of the week, that's doable. Like I could easily yep. run one mile. Totally. You can, you can run those two miles and, and even if it's not to the gym and back, you can find 20 minutes in your day to dedicate to, you know, setting yourself up for success come March. You know, you have, everybody has 20 minutes, you know? Um, and that's what I told myself to get myself back into the routine of running because I mean, that's the thing with running is that the running fitness can't really be replicated, um, by something else, you know, it's, you could be a really great cyclist, but that doesn't translate to being really fit and running, like running, you're carrying yourself. So it's just so much more work, you know? Yeah. Now, what is your, um, diet regimen like when you're training? When I'm training, I focus on, so I don't eat gluten at all. Um, which, you know, I feel like the runner diet is pasta, donuts, pizza. So that's not really what I do. Um, but I focus on a lot of whole foods, clean, lean protein. Um, and then I do my carbs from, from potatoes, beans and rice. So I just try to keep it really simple. And, um, I just think that that fuels me really well. So, you know, if I had a particularly hard workout, then I really do try to focus on protein. Like I ran a half marathon this, um, this Sunday and my legs are sore, which they're not usually sore. So I am, I mean, proteining it up right now. <laughs> this, I've, I've never had a problem with the, uh, the protein intake. So that's always been okay. But an easy one. Yeah. Do you, when do you usually get your runs in, in the morning or in the evening or somewhere in between? In the morning, because I, I like it a lot better in the morning. I used to do track workouts. So my speed workouts, um, on an afternoon after work and just with traffic and then eating lunch and having all that food sitting in there, it just, they never went flawlessly. And now I do all my workouts in the morning and it just is such a good start to your day. You feel great after that. You don't have to worry about feeling too tired after work, um, or just being unmotivated, um, and, or worrying about, 
food, you know, just messing up your stomach and causing you to kind of have a bad workout. Okay. Okay. And do you, so do you do fasted runs in the morning or do you eat something before you go for the fuel? I, I do fasted runs for all my runs. So even my long runs, I like, so I'll run 20 miles without any, any food beforehand. And, um, you know, I think that if you're able to do it, it's, it's a good way to go. It, that way you don't have to worry about, um, any food compromising your stomach. And, um, it also helps your body learn to, um, go to its fat stores. Okay. Do you, do you fast before your workouts or? Um, usually, cause usually I just wake up, I'll have like a pre-workout shake and then I'll go to the gym. Okay. And so that's usually, or I'll have like an apple, um, something, okay. something yeah. that I know how it's, it's going simple. to affect me. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, doing a 20 mile run on no food sounds <laughs> like just like totally off the wall. Do you eat a lot the night before? Like do you carb load for that um, or? Not really. I mean, I, I, I pretty much eat the same way all the time. Um, which is just, you know, clean lean protein and, um, you know, beans or potatoes or rice. And I don't really eat that much more before a race or a long run because I also don't want to go into it feeling like a baked potato. That makes sense. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. when I did this Tough Mudder this past weekend, I had like a few sticks of celery and that was about it. And it went just fine. Like, I don't think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and there was stuff on the course. There was like the, the goo gels and, okay. and some bananas. Um, and do you take those during the race? I do. Okay. Like, great. When they're offered to me, I eat them. Uh, great. And the, their goos are really good. They're like stinger brand and they're. Yes. Stinger organic honey flavored things they're delicious they are delicious and they actually also had this like stinger waffle cone yes have you you've had that before i yes i have they're really good oh it is absolutely delicious i i very i actually went back for two no (laughs) (laughs) no that's awesome so do you guys so you guys don't carry fuel on course you just rely on the aid stations for it then some people do i've seen some people have camelbacks some people have wow. uh with water and stuff in them i've also yeah. seen some guys carry backpacks filled with beer um again, no way <laughs> again those guys are going more for the social aspect and to have fun than wow. the competitive time part of it um, yes. But me, I usually just run and I rely on the water stations and the aid stations. Definitely. Well, that works then that they have enough of those that they can, you know, take care of you essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, because they know a big portion of their audience and the people who are doing a Tough Mudder are not competitive athletes. Sure. They are people who wanted to challenge themselves and see what they could do. And sometimes it gets really, 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 really hot. So you need a little bit more water on the course. Yes. So 
they definitely make it accessible for um, the competitive athlete as well as the every the every person. The every woman man. Yes. <laughs> that's so cool. Well, yeah, I think that especially like a Tough Mudder, I feel like that's such a bucket list type of item, I mean, type of thing too. So um, I think that especially even like with marathons and half marathons, a lot of people show up maybe un- untrained or under under prepared for what they – what they're going to be doing. So it's helpful that they have the fuel on course for them. Yeah. So I've kept you about 45 minutes. I, um, thank you for helping me, um, in what I'm going to do in my training. And I hope everyone out there enjoyed listening. Do you have any other last advice for, for the people who want to get into the distance crazy running? Yes. I would just say that, you know, the beginning stages of running are the ugliest and I wouldn't judge how you'll like something by how it feels in the beginning when you're not in running shape. Um, and just to really stick with it and just set really small incremental goals. And it really will help you break through from the awful stage of I'm out of shape and running is the worst to, I really like this. This is really fun. And then you'll get to the stage where you feel like you're flying and then it's the best feeling in the whole world. So you can't get to the stage where you feel like you're flying if you don't ever let yourself suffer in kind of the uncomfortable beginning stages. That's awesome. I love that. All right. In as we're wrapping up, do you have any shout outs? Has there anyone this week or last week recently that has just sticks out in your mind? You want to give them a shout out on a podcast because you can. Sure. I want to give um, Tyler, my husband, a shout out because on Saturday morning, he encouraged me to run a half marathon on Sunday, you know, um, not tapered, not even planning on running this because he felt like I was in the fitness to do it. And I was considering not doing it. And he said, don't let fear stop you from doing this. You need to do this. And I I ran that half marathon and ran just a little bit slower than my personal best, um, you know, on really tired and heavy marathon legs. So it was a really big confidence booster and I couldn't have done it if he hadn't encouraged me to do it. And he paced me the whole way. He paced me and encouraged me the whole time. That's awesome. That makes me, that makes me very, very happy. Um, Yeah. It's great. It's, it's really awesome to have that support in uh in your life. Absolutely. It's it's everything because you put so much of yourself into this, you know, you you train so much and it's such a physical and emotional experience. So you just want to feel supported there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um I I had a couple shout-outs as well. I wanted to give a shout-out to Mike Hoskins who was my pace car during the Tough Mudder. Um, he was in a lot better shape than me and we were walking together for a little while. And anytime he started to run, I made sure to stay with him. Uh, so he was definitely my pace car. That's awesome. Um, I want to give a shout out to all my friends who are running the Tough Mudder this weekend with me. So Mandy, uh, who thinks she's going to die, uh, she's not going to die, um, <laughs> Kyle, I haven't seen him in a while, so I'm excited to run with Kyle. And then for the Sunday, I believe it's just going to be me and my friend Leah. 
So I'm very excited to be sharing the course with those amazing people. And lastly, shout out to Kieran, who works the front desk at the Courtyard by Marriott in Old Town, San Diego. Uh, that was staying there last night and he gave me a free Twix ice cream bar and it was absolutely delicious. It's pretty awesome. It was awesome. So thank you, Kieran. He's a great guy. Um, (laughs) Kim, if, uh, anybody wants to reach out or follow you up with a, with a question or anything like that, where can they find you on social media? Of course they can find me at track club, babe on Instagram, Track Club Babe, T-R-A-C-K, Club Babe. And I'm also, I have a blog as well, and it's www.trackclubbabe.com. So that's where they can find me. And I post all of my training and um, just a lot of information that's helpful for new runners. Excellent, excellent. And then I will also uh, check that out, and I will also include links to all of that social media and that, uh, and your blog in the show notes page. Sounds great. All right. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Halloween to talk with me. I really appreciate it. No worries. This was fun. I can't wait to see how you do. And of course, if you need anything along the way, or you want me to help you with your training plan, um, please let me know. This is the stuff I live for. I will probably take you up on that offer. And I'm hoping (laughs) At some point, you and I get to a point where we get to run a race together, or at least I get to a point where I can <laughs> I can struggle to keep up with you. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do more than that, but that sounds like that sounds like a plan. So just let me know when. Sounds good. And that has been another episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you again, Kim, for being here. We will catch everybody on the next one. Workout Nerd Out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.